I'll talk about Easter, the event, the movement, and the Bible. And, and I want to ask you to please stay with me because in the initial stage, I may say things that are contrary to what you have known all your life. But if you stay with me towards the end, then it will start to make sense. I do not want you to quote me out of context. I wanted to quote me within the context of what I'm going to speak about here. This coming Sunday is called Palm Sunday week. And this will be the week that Jesus entered Jerusalem. And it was celebrated by the crowds. It is important for us to, under to understand what actually happened. You know, people were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. They were praising and worshiping him. Then it all changed when they started to politicize it. And they said, blessed is the king. I mean, that did not settle well with the rulers of the time. John chapter 12, you know, John chapter 12, verse 13, the Bible says, they took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, 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 blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And everybody was okay with that. But when they started to switch gears and the chorus started to change and say, blessed is the king of Israel. They switched to blessed is the king. And that became a big threat to the authorities. They believed that now Jesus wants to take over the government from Caesar. When we talk about this story, some people became Christians and no one explained to them what actually happened during that week. And if you could understand the sequence of events that I'm going to talk about tonight, it will make a big difference in your faith and in your understanding of Christianity. Because that's where our Christian faith started. We'll focus on Easter. And what we'll focus on is the event, the movement, and the Bible. And you'll start to understand the origin of our Christian faith much, much different from the way you were told before. We are not Christians because the Bible says so. Yes. We are not Christians because the Bible says so. We are Christians because of the event that took place, the real event that took place. The Bible just recorded what has happened. We are Christians because of a unique event that we are about to celebrate in the next week or so. And I'll spend the next few minutes to give you the narration of the event. Then we'll talk about the movement or the Christian movement or Christianity, and later we'll talk about the Bible. Some people have left the Christian faith because nobody took time to explain to them what actually happened. And that is the reason it is easy for some people to argue with the Bible and argue you out of your faith. And let me say this statement. I know it will sound controversial from the beginning. However, however, at the end of the Bible study, it will make sense. And you will understand what I'm trying to say or the message that I'm trying to pass through to you. And I want you to follow me carefully, like I said earlier, because I do not want people to quote me out of context. And here is the statement. We are not Christians because the Bible says so. We are not Christians because of the Bible. We are Christians because of a unique event and that unique event took place even before the bible was written we do not have christianity because of the bible we have the bible because of christianity our christianity does not come out of the bible but the bible comes out of our christian faith we do not have the church because of the Bible. We have the Bible because of the church 
The church existed even before the Bible was written. The Bible as we know it today. I'm not talking about the Tanakh or the Old Testament scriptures. I'm talking about the Bible that combines the Old and the New Testament. I'm not talking about the, uh, the Torah or the first five books of the Bible. I'm talking about the combination of the first five books of the Bible, what to call the writings of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. So I'm talking about both the Old and the New Testament. So we have the Bible because of this unique event that I'm going to focus on uh, tonight. Now, this story, it started from the time when the Roman Empire was governing all over. And let me ask the people who are on Zoom, please make sure that all your, uh, your cameras are off. There are two of you whose cameras are on. Please turn them off because it's affecting our, uh, our Bible study uh, broadcast on, on Facebook, please, please. And I'll ask my uh, helpers to please uh, identify those and turn them off. So the, the Roman Empire, let me quickly share my, uh, my screen with you. During that time when Jesus was born or when Jesus was here, the Roman Empire was governing all this area. Now you see the, the northern part of Africa, some part of Europe, that's Spain, all the way to London. And, you know, we have the Macedonia area and we have the uh, Pamphylia area. All this area in Jerusalem, that's uh, Israel, the Judea area, the northern part of it, the Galilee area. And, and we'll focus more on that later. The G Egypt area, all this area that we're talking about here, it was under the... Uh, under the Roman Empire. Actually, it's called the Mediterranean Rim because this, this blue waters here is the Mediterranean Sea. So all these areas around the Mediterranean Sea, they were under the Roman Empire. But what I'm going to focus on today, I want to focus on this area here, this area where Jerusalem is. And let's zoom in and get into that map. And that's a place called Israel. The Israel, it had two regions, the northern region and the southern region. The northern region is the Galilee area, the Galilee region. The southern region is the Judea area, the Judea region. And in between, we have the Samaria area. So when Jesus was born, he was born in this area in Bethlehem. That's where he was born. But he spent most of his time in this area. This is the Sea of Galilee. The blue waters here is the Sea of Galilee. He spent most of his time here. That's where most of his ministry took place. And right across the, uh, the Sea of Galilee, we have the Decapolis area, the 10 cities. The 10 cities was in this area here, uh, the pink area here. That's where it was. So Jesus grew up in a very small village or town called Nazareth. This is Nazareth. Nazareth. That's where he stayed with his parents. That's where he stayed with his parents. So for Jesus to move from Jerusalem all the way to Nazareth or to move to Galilee area, he had to go through Samaria. That's why it's recorded in John chapter 4. Jesus had to move from, uh, was moving from Jerusalem all the way to Galilee. And the Bible says he had to go through Samaria because Samaria was in between. And that's why to read uh, when Jesus met the woman at the well. I hope this helps. But something very interesting, I want to show you something here. This is Bethany. Bethany, that's where Lazarus used to stay with his two sisters, Martha and Mary. They were staying here in Bethany. And this is Bethlehem where Jesus was born. So they were not staying far from each other. But Jesus did not stay in Bethlehem. Actually, they moved down to Egypt for some time with his parents. And from there, they moved back to, uh, to Nazareth. And that's where he grew up. But Jesus died in Jerusalem, actually just outside the, the city of Jerusalem, that's where he was nailed, that's where he was crucified. So this is Jericho, some of you follow me on Bible study, we, we, we have been through Jericho many times, we have been with uh, Joshua, and that is the first city that they conquered after they crossed the river Jordan. So here we have the Dead Sea, here we have the uh, Sea of Galilee, between the Dead Sea and the Sea of Galilee, 
there's a river and this river is called Jordan. So River Jordan, it connects the Dead Sea and the Sea of Galilee. It connects the two. So this is very important for you to understand because I'm going to talk about some stuff as we continue that is related to this map. I hope this makes a lot of sense. So when Jesus Christ showed up, Israel was also under the Roman Empire. And the Roman Empire included large territories, you know, including the Mediterranean Sea area, part of Europe, part of North Africa, and some Western Asian uh, places. And it was ruled by what we call emperors. And during that time, it was Caesar. Caesar was the ruler of the Roman Empire. And Herod, the son of Herod the Great, was the governor of the Galilee region. Remember I showed you there's a Galilee region on the northern part of Israel and the Judea, it was in the southern part of Israel. So Herod, Antipas, during that time was the governor of the Galilee area and he ruled throughout the time of Jesus' ministry. This is very important because we see that towards the, the crucifixion, we see him also take part in that. And this guy, Herod Antipas, by the way, he's the same man who previously ordered the death of John the Baptist. Now, Pilate was the governor of the Judea region, the southern part of Israel. It was ruled by Pilate, who was a governor during that time. So all these governors were in different places, but they reported to Rome. They reported to Rome in Italy. So nobody wanted to live under the Roman colonization. Nobody enjoyed paying taxes to the government and they would take the money back to Rome. So Rome would just keep collecting and collecting and collecting this money. And if you look at people like Matthew and Zacchaeus, Matthew and Zacchaeus, they were tax collectors. They would collect money for the Roman government and they would collect that money. But what they would do is they would collect more than what was required. They would add some extra service fees to the bill. And that service fee was for themselves. They will collect as much as they want. And that is why when Zacchaeus repented, he said he will refund people what he has collected extra from what he was supposed to. So everyone was praying for the freedom of Israel from the Roman Empire. When the scriptures promised them of the Messiah, the scriptures, when they, pro they were promised of the Messiah who was coming. They believed that the Messiah will be a political figure, who will be a political head, who will be the Martin Luther King, who will be the, uh, the Mandela, who was coming to set them free. And their assumption was that the Messiah will set them free from the Roman Empire. And the Messiah will, be, will become the king. And then they will be free again. And one day a man showed up. A man showed up, his name was John. He started to preach about the new kingdom that is coming. I mean, that, it got their attention. It got their attention. Everyone ran to the Jordan River to be baptized by John so that they should participate in this new kingdom. He shouted that, that the kingdom is coming, the new kingdom is coming, and they should prepare their hearts for that new kingdom. And they kept on asking him, are, are you the Messiah? Are you the one that you have been waiting for? And he kept on saying, no, I'm not. No, I'm not the Messiah. I'm just here to prepare the ways for him. But the Messiah will soon show up. And certainly, Jesus came and John confirmed that this is the Messiah that I've been telling you about. This is the Messiah that we have been reading about for all these years. And the first thing that Jesus did when he started his ministry, and this is very important, when he started his ministry, the first thing that he did, he selected 12 volunteers. And those volunteers, he called them apostles. So Jesus had a lot of followers or disciples. He had thousands and thousands of disciples who kept on following him everywhere he went. But he had 12 that he selected and he called them apostles. He called them apostles. So these people did not follow him because of the message that he was preaching. They followed him 
because of who he claimed to be, because he kept on claiming and showing and proving to them that he's the Messiah, he's the son of God. He kept on saying he's bigger than the temple. He kept on saying he's able to forgive sins. He's able to heal. He will tell the, the, the people who are sick and say, your sins have been forgiven. And that was a big thing. It was a big deal because all they knew was only God can forgive sins. And they will say, who are you? Who are you? Because all they knew, the Jews knew that only, only, only God can forgive sins. So when Jesus says, your sins are forgiven, the implication is Jesus is God. And sometimes you will even say he's bigger than Abraham. He was there even before Abraham was born. And he will say he's part of the Godhead. And they were convinced. They were convinced that it is a matter of time. He will set up the government very soon. He will overpower the Roman Empire and he will rule the kingdom of Israel again. I'm sure they positioned themselves to be part of that kingdom, to be part of that coming kingdom. Every time when he says the kingdom of God is here, they will pay more attention because they thought maybe it's time for us to start the revolution. They thought maybe it's time for us to take over the government. Let's go to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1 verse 6. It's very clear. Acts chapter 1 verse 6. It says, so when the apostles were with Jesus, Acts chapter 1 verse 6, please. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept on asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom again? And he replied, verse 8, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times. And they were not for you to know. Verse 8, but but for you, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you'll be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. These are apostles, guys. These are, these, these are his people, his confidants. These are the people who were right the inner circle of Jesus. They walked with Jesus for three years. But their expectation was that Jesus will restore the kingdom of Israel again. They were looking forward to setting up the kingdom. That was their hopes. These guys had high hopes that one day they will become ministers. They'll become directors. They'll become secretaries of state. They'll be part of the new government. That was their expectation. They did not follow him because of the miracles. No, no. They did not follow Jesus because he was a good teacher. No, they did not follow Jesus because they understood his parables. No, actually, actually, they did not even understand most of his parables, but they kept on following him. They did not even understand the parables of the sower, the first parable that Jesus said. This is the most important parable. You know, at some point, they had to pull him aside privately and ask him, could you please, could you please explain to us what you are trying to say? You remember Jesus? You were teaching about the parable of the sower and you talk about the sower and the seed. Could you please explain that to us? And he had to sit down and explain to them. And he said, you guys, if you can't understand this basic parable, it means you do not understand all the other parables. So, so what I'm trying to say is, they did not follow Jesus because they understood his teaching. No, no. They did not even understand some of the things that he, he used to say. Go to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. He talked about his body and, and his blood. And he said they should eat his body and drink his blood. They thought he, 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 he's a man. This man, this man, what is he talking about? Is he crazy? Is he talking about cannibalism? This man must be crazy. How can he expect us to drink his blood? How can he expect me to eat his body and drink his blood? See, they did not understand what he was teaching. Everything was going above their heads for three years. For three years. And the Bible says in John chapter 6, verse 60, most of the people who were following him, they left him. They, 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 they hit the unchecked button. They hit the unlike button. They did not like him anymore. 
They unfriended him if it was on Facebook today. John chapter 6, verse 6, the Bible says, many of his disciples, they said, remember I said he had many disciples and only 12 apostles? So we're talking about the other people, the other followers. Many of his disciples, that John chapter 6, verse 16, they said, this is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept it? What I'm saying to say is, people did not understand what Jesus was teaching for those three years. They did not follow him because they understood his teachings. Verse 66, the Bible says, at this point, many of his disciples turned away and they deserted him. They left him. It did not make sense to them. Then Jesus turned to them, to the 12, and he said, in verse 67, are you also going to leave? Are you also going to leave? Simon Peter was very, he was very honest, was very honest. Look at verse 68. Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom will we go? You have the words that give eternal life. I love verse 69. He says, we believe. This is a key. We believe and we know you are the Holy One of God. What Peter is saying, guys, what Peter is saying, you are the Messiah. That's all that he say. We follow you because you are the Messiah. The Bible says many people stopped following him, but his disciples, they remained, and they knew they were expecting some benefits from following him. Peter does not say, he does not say, oh, you know you are a great teacher. We follow you because you are a great teacher. Actually, we understand everything you, you, you teach. We follow you because your teachings are just unique. I love it when you talk about the parables. He does not say, oh, you always feed us. We enjoy the fish. We enjoy the sandwiches. We enjoy the bread. We enjoy everything for free. You perform miracles. I love it when we hear the sick. No, no, no. He says, honestly speaking, Jesus, I have to be honest with you. We left our families. We left our jobs. We left our fishing businesses. Because we believe you are the Holy One of God. It simply means you are the Messiah. You are the anointed one of God. That is the only reason we follow you. We follow you because you are a king. You are a king. We follow you because soon we will take over this government. The pinnacle or the climax of the ministry was when he raised Lazarus from the dead. Oh my goodness. John, John, he recorded it. And he says, many people started to follow him. Everyone has the largest crowd after he rose Lazarus from the dead. The miracle took place in Bethany. I showed you where Bethany is. It's about two miles or 3.2 kilometers outside Jerusalem. So when Jesus went to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover, everybody has heard about Jesus. You know, this is a guy who raised Lazarus from the dead. Remember Lazarus who lived uh, on Main Street? He, he was raised from the dead. It, it was by this guy, uh, Jesus. I understand this weekend is coming. And it everybody, it went viral. Everybody posted on Facebook if they had Facebook by then. I know they didn't have Facebook. But whatever means that they use to publicize, everybody wanted to see this Jesus who has raised somebody from the dead. So when Jesus went to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover, he was riding on a donkey. And during Passover, there were more than 2 million people in Jerusalem. They came to celebrate their annual freedom from slavery in Egypt. You know, it is like celebrating July 4th in America or April 27th in South Africa. So they would travel from all over the region uh, to, to come to the temple in Jerusalem. There were sea of people all over. When Jesus arrived, Everyone was so excited. And that's when they started to shout and sing, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. This was a shout of praise, a shout of adoration, a shout of cheering. The shouts shifted from being religious to being political. And they were convinced that this is the right time. This is the time that we have been waiting for. With a new king, things will change. I mean, this new king will provide free food for us. This new king, we don't need medical aid anymore. We don't need healthcare insurance anymore. This new king, he heals you. With this new king, the hospitals will be out of business very soon. 
Hospitals will not be necessary anymore. Clinics will not be necessary anymore. With this new king, you don't need a boat or ships because he can even walk on the water. With this new king, oh, the best thing about this new king, the best thing about this new king is that when you die, he raises you again. When your friends go and cry, or when your parents or your, 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 your relatives or your family go to him and talk to him, he raises you from the dead. Remember what he did to Lazarus? I mean, who will not want to be part of that kingdom? Who will not want to have that, that, that person as a king? Everyone was so excited. And they were looking forward to this new kingdom that is about to be established. We all know how the story ended. The religious leaders and the political leaders of the time, they become unsettled. They believe that it's about to take over the government. They became scared. I mean, yes, all the support of the masses, thousands and thousands of millions of people started to follow him. And Judas Iscariot, he made an agreement with his priests, with the high priests and the, and the political leaders of the time. And they arrested Jesus. Now, during this fake, I call it fake trial. During this fake trial, Pilate, remember Pilate? Was a governor of the southern part of the, uh, of the, uh, of the Israel. That's the Judea area that I showed you on the map. Pilate, he was surprised that Jesus did not plead for mercy. Now, as other prisoners will do. Those who are facing crucifixion, crucifixion they don't plead for mercy from him. Jesus did not beg for forgiveness from him. Actually, he did not even bother answering his questions. And he was then sent to the high priest. We did not find anything wrong with him. And the high priest, he sent him back to Pilate. And Pilate wanted to please the crowds as they were shouting. The very same crowd that said, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Now they are shouting, crucify him, crucify him. It was the same crowd in Jerusalem. Crucify him. And during that Passover, as they were busy killing lambs, as they, as they were busy killing goats, as they were busy killing bulls in the temple to sacrifice the real lamb of God outside Jerusalem was dying, was dying. And one of the reasons why Jesus said, don't be happy, don't get so excited because they tried to show them, you see this as he was coming in, you see this temple, it has been built, it's this, this. and they showed him how magnificent it is, how beautiful it is. Jesus said, this is going to be destroyed. And he said, I'm bigger than the temple. In other words, this temple is going to, it's going to, it's going to be unnecessary at some point. And in 70 AD, surely the temple was destroyed because it was no longer necessary because the true Lamb of God, the true sacrifice had come. Now, after Jesus was sacrificed, he was crucified. Everyone ran away. Everybody was fearful. I mean, it was, it was so quiet. Nobody will associate himself with Jesus anymore. Nobody. Nicodemus and Joseph of Amathia, they're the ones who went to Pilate and they requested for his body to be unhung, to be taken out of the, the cross so that they can bury him. They could give him at least a dignified funeral and they buried him. And, and I believe they had to pay pilots to do that. And they buried his body in a tomb. And the reason is that when, when someone was crucified, you know, Pilate and the then government, the Roman government, they wanted to make a spectacle to the public. The cross was a symbol of shame. The cross was a symbol of disgrace. And unlike today, the same cross is a symbol of freedom. The same cross is a symbol of Christianity. But by then, there are other people who were crucified on the cross. A person who would be crucified was used as a deterrent. Remember, Jesus was not the first one to be crucified. There are so many people who were crucified. Anyone who would be against the government, anyone who wanted to take over the government, would be crucified. And Jesus was crucified because they thought they wanted to take over the government. 
and his body will be left in public. They will leave the, the, the body of the person who was crucified. They will leave it there to rot and dry or be eaten by wild animals. This was to remind the people that they should not do anything against the government. They should not try to take over the government. And they will leave those bodies rot up there on the cross so that nobody will rebel against the government again. Now, during that time, Jesus' disciples, they ran and they went for hiding. They knew that these guys are serious. These guys are so brutal. This government is so brutal. If they could kill our leader, possibly we are next. And Pilate will give them permission to come after the disciples. And at that point, nobody was bold enough to say anything about Jesus. Why? Why? Because their leader is dead. The so-called Messiah is dead. The king is dead. And they were so afraid that none of his disciples, by the way, none of his disciples even attended his funeral. The apostles did not even bother coming closer. They did not want to be associated with him anymore. Everything, I mean everything, Everything when it came to this new movement, this Christian movement, this Jesus movement, everything came to a standstill. During that weekend, during the Sabbath, when Jesus was killed, there was no one who could shout Messiah, who could shout Hosanna, who could shout King of Kings. No one will talk about his teachings anymore. Nobody will talk about his parables anymore. Nobody will talk about his miracles anymore. Just imagine, there was no Christian. There was no movement. It was over with the Jesus movement. Everything was quiet. There was no believer during that time. There was no church during that time. There was no hope. It looked like it was over. It looked like the Rome. The Roman government has won and heaven has lost. None of his disciples believed that he will rise again. None, I mean, none of them. Thank God the, the four gospels were written by, I mean, two of them were written by his own disciples. And none of them, you know, displays himself or shows himself like a hero that except me. John did not say, I believe. Matthew did not say, I believe. If even, even Peter, you remember Peter is the one who instructed Mark to write the gospel of Mark. Actually, he was just writing, documenting what he has witnessed. Even Peter himself did not say, oh, all of them, they did not believe that Jesus will rise again except me. No, none of them believed. I wonder how they were feeling. They felt deceived. I could imagine them saying, I thought he said he's the light of the world. I thought he said his life, Zoe. How can we kill life? How can life die? How can God allow people to kill his child? So this guy was lying to us all this time. He was deceiving us. Something is not right here. I mean, there was a lot of self-introspective moments. Did I waste my life? What do I tell my people when I go back home to Galilee? What do I tell them? I mean, my uncle advised me, my aunt advised me that I should stop this thing of following Jesus. I should not stop going, I mean, I should not stop my, my fishing business and start to follow this, this man. My business will be far by now. I wasted three years of my life. What is the kingdom that we were promised? What is the kingdom that we're hoping for? I mean, there were, all these thoughts were going through their minds. At that point, there was no hope. There was no Christian, no movement, no leader. Everything came to a standstill. Everything came to a halt. The movement was over and they gave up. Actually, the Bible says, it records that Peter decided to go back fishing, go back what he's he has been doing all his life. Because he gave up. They expected the dead Jesus to do what every deceased person does. 
and that is to stay dead in the tomb or the grave. They did not expect any miracle, and that is why nobody went to the tomb for a countdown at 12 midnight on Sunday morning or Saturday night. None of them. Nobody went there. So now it's one, it's one o'clock. Okay, two o'clock. It's three o'clock. It's almost time for him to, uh, to rise again. Instead of count 10, 9, 6, 5, 4, 2, 1. No, no, no. All of them, they went to hide. Nobody expected Jesus to rise again. Everything was over. Everything was over. Oh, it's over. And after the supper, early in the morning, the Bible says Mary Magdalene and the other women, they woke up to embalm the, the dead body with spices. They carried spices because they wanted to use the spices to embalm the dead body. They were expecting a dead body. Not a living Christ. And they were shocked to find that he was not there. And they quickly ran. Their, their assumption was not that he, he rose from the dead. No, that was not their assumption. Their assumption was that his body had been stolen. Not that he resurrected. No, his body has been stolen. They took the body of Jesus. They took the body of our Lord. And these are the people, remember, these are the people who heard him many times again and again and again. And he told them that I will die and I will rise again. But they did not understand him still. They worked with him for three full years. But still, did not expect him to resurrect. They did not believe him. They said his body has been stolen. Jesus later revealed himself to them. And he walked on the streets of Jerusalem. And he was seen by many people. James, his own brother, he did not believe in Jesus. But after seeing his Jesus resurrect, after seeing his brother resurrect, the Bible says he showed up in the book of Acts again as one of the leaders of the church. Now he's a believer. He's the one who wrote the book of James. He says, count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when we come across, when we come across difficult times, when we come across temptations. The same John, the same, the same James, the brother of Jesus. He believed. He believed. He did not believe in Jesus because of his miracles. He did not believe in Jesus because of his, his good teachings. He believed in Jesus because of what he has seen, because of what he has witnessed. And that's very important because Jesus says, you will be my witnesses. I could imagine the news headlines in, in Jerusalem. Everywhere in Israel, Jesus lives. Eyewitnesses, they report that the tomb was found empty. I could imagine the reports everywhere, the newspapers everywhere. Jesus Christ has returned. He's back. And everyone was, was wondering what happened. And they saw him walk along with everybody. The Bible says for 40 days. Walking around, the very same person that they believed he died. They saw him being crucified. They saw him being buried. And now he's alive. The tomb was found empty. And it was big news everywhere. Everybody started to write about the news of his resurrection. Everybody was so surprised. The resurrection of Jesus was written and published everywhere. All newspapers of the times, all the writings of the time, the authors, they all start to write books and document what they have witnessed. Document what they have witnessed. They will say he rose again. He rose again. And that was a unique miracle. That was a unique event that had never happened before. When his disciples went back to Galilee as he instructed them, they met him and he asked Peter three times, Peter, do you love me? Peter had to respond three times after denying Jesus three times. And he said, I love you. Let's look at Peter. Peter started by unbelieving in Jesus when he started. Then he believed in Jesus for three years. Then he denied Jesus. Then he unbelieved when Jesus was there. Then he believed again when he met Jesus. Peter, 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 Peter. He did not believe. Then he believed. Then he unbelieved. 
Then he finally believed again. I wonder also what was going on in their minds at that point. They were back to the same spot where it all started. It was after these events that now they believed in Jesus. For the past three years, they did not believe in him. They did not believe in what he was teaching. They looked at him as a king, as a messiah who came to set them free. But it was that time when the new movement started. Our Christian faith is not based on the miracles of Jesus. That's why I keep on saying, don't run after the miracles. Those of you who are Christians who are running after miracles, you are lost. Our Christian faith is not based on miracles. Whether there are miracles or no miracles, Jesus has risen from the dead. He is Lord of Lords and he is the King of Kings. He does not have to prove anything to me. He does not have to prove anything to you. He is the Lord of Lords, whether there are miracles or no miracles. The resurrection of Jesus was a real event that started our Christian faith. Without the resurrection of Jesus, there is no Christianity. Our Christian faith did not start because of the Bible. At that point, there was no Bible. The Bible was not assembled until the fourth century. The Bible was not assembled until about 350 years later after the resurrection. So the first century Christians, the first 300 years, the first 350 years, the Christians had to speak about the events as witnesses. And that's why Jesus said, you shall be my witnesses. They were talking about what they have seen. The event of the Jesus resurrection was documented by everyone. Believers and non-believers, immediately they started to report, they started to write about this big event. The apostles, they preached about Jesus as witnesses. They were not reading from the Bible. They were preaching about Jesus who has risen from the dead. They were talking about what they have witnessed. And the church grew without a Bible. Some of his disciples, they started to document what they have seen. People like Matthew, he documented what he has seen. People like John. John wrote what he has seen about uh, actual John. He outlived all the disciples. He documented what he has seen. Peter, he documented what he has seen. Actually, Peter and Mark, they worked together in ministry. Mark was not one of the disciples. Luke was not one of the disciples. Dr. Luke, he was an investigator. He says, I have investigated this thing. He went around and he interviewed the people who were there. The, no, the gospel of Luke, it was, it was not written by a member of the 12 apostles. No, it was somebody from the outside, the inner circle. He investigated it. The book of James was documented by brother, the brother of Jesus. Paul also, he wrote about his encounter with Jesus. For the first 30 years after Jesus' resurrection, Dr. Luke investigated everything and he wrote about the event. Let me say this from the beginning. These people, they were not writing a Bible. Nobody sat down. Peter did not sit down. John did not sit down, Mark did not sit down, or Matthew, he did not sit down and say, now I want to write a Bible. No, no, no. John Mark, he followed Peter everywhere as he was telling this story until he wrote it down. I could imagine Mark asking Peter and saying, please tell me about the events again so that I can document it. Peter would recite what happened that night that Jesus was crucified. And today, we have the book that was written by Mark. It was written by John Mark and the book of Mark. It was the first one to be written, the first one to be documented. Matthew, he wrote his own experiences that he had with Jesus. John outlived all the apostles. Actually, he lived in, in, into his 90s. I would imagine someone advising the old man, John, 
as he was the only living witness at that point. He was the only living uh, apostle at that point. All of them, they died. And they would ask him, could you please write this story down so that, so that the future generation will benefit from it. Let's look at John chapter 20, verse 31. John chapter 20, verse 31. The Bible says, but these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. That's John chapter 20, verse 31. These people were not writing a Bible, like I said. They were just documenting what they have witnessed. The purpose of their writing was so that we may believe. Look, he documented in Luke chapter 24, verse 44. Then he said, that's when Jesus was with his disciples. When I was with you, believe or before, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. It must be fulfilled. It must be fulfilled. Then you open their minds to understand the scriptures. Verse 46. And he said, yes, it was written along ago that the Messiah will suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. Verse 47. It was also written that this message will be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. I like verse 48. Verse 48, he says, you, you are witnesses of all these things. As I'm going to close, our Christian faith did not start because people read from the Bible. Our Christian faith is based on the real event that happened. The resurrection of Jesus, it's what, it's what makes our Christian faith unique. All the other religions, their leaders, have died and never rose again. The Muslims, Muhammad has died. He never rose again. The Buddhists, Buddha has died and never rose again. Confucius, he died and he never rose again. Gugunyane, he died and he never rose again. When John closes his documentation, he says, so that you may believe. And my question to you is, do you believe? The sequence of our faith is the event of resurrection first, then the movement, then the Bible was written later. Easter, it consists of the event, the movement, and then the Bible was written later. You can debate the Bible all you want. That does not change the narrative of the story. It does not change the resurrection of Jesus. Maybe you lost your faith. Because nobody explained this story as I did today. Jesus did not resurrect because we read it from the Bible. No. Jesus resurrected even before the Bible was written. The first, second, and third century believers, they continued with Christianity without the Bible. We are not Christians because the Bible says so. We are Christians because of the unique event, the death and the resurrection of Jesus. We do not have Christianity because of the Bible. We have the Bible because of Christianity. We do not have the church because of the Bible. We have the Bible because of the church. We have the right to be called the children of God because of the resurrection of Jesus. Doors are open for us. Doors are open for us to have access to God because Jesus rose from the dead. That, that is a his, that, that's a historical event that nobody can dispute it now. It's there in the historical books, not only in the Bible, in the documents outside the Bible. It was documented outside the Bible. We now have hope in Christ. You can argue you are the Bible all you like and dispute the Bible all you like, but the death and the resurrection of Jesus is documented. The historical Jesus is documented that there is a man called Jesus who lived. And the more you argue about Jesus, the more you argue about the existence of Jesus, the more you expose your ignorance. 
It means you have not read enough outside the Bible. And I want to say this to all of us. I want to say this to you believers. Because Jesus lives, we can face tomorrow. We can call God our Father, Abba. Now we are allowed to have access to heaven. He will never leave us and he will never forsake us. He says, I will be with you until the end of the ages. We are God carriers wherever we go. God lives in us. The Bible says Christ in us he is the hope of glory. And the most important event in human history was the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Nobody has ever done that before. It's a unique event that makes our Christian faith strong and different from any other Christian faith. Our Christian faith is not based on miracles. Our Christian faith is not based on the teachings of Jesus Christ. Our Christian faith, it started with the death and the resurrection of Jesus. His blood that was shed at the cross of Calvary, it makes a difference. He's the ultimate sacrifice. He's the right and the correct sacrifice, the only sacrifice that was needed for our salvation. And my question to you is, do you believe tonight? Do you believe today? Many believers, they believe even without seeing him. Many believe because they saw him in the first century. They, they, came, to, they came to the Christian faith because of what they have witnessed. A person like James himself, the brother of Jesus, he came to, he came to the Christian faith after he witnessed the death and the resurrection of his brother. Jesus says, we are more blessed if we can believe without seeing. John chapter 20, verse 29. I'm going to close with this. John chapter 20, verse 29. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. He told his disciples, you guys, you are believing in me right now because you have seen what has happened. All this time, he did not believe. You lost your faith when I was crucified. When I died, you lost your faith. And now he, he, he turns around. I love this. I love this. Then he focuses on 2023. He focuses on you and me. He focuses on the USA. He focuses on South Africa. He focuses on Kenya. He focuses on Zambia. He focuses on Brazil. He turns around and he says to the future generation, he says, blessed are those who have not seen and yet they believed. It's talking about you. It's talking about me. That we are blessed if we can believe even without seeing. The sequence of Easter is the event then the Christian movement, then the Bible. That's my prayer, that you will believe even without seeing. And the Bible says, if you believe without seeing, you are more blessed than anyone else. Let's pray.